Morning, everybody. When I was asked to preach today, and it was one of those um, treasured ones where it's a free week, you get to choose what you want to preach, and instantly I knew what I wanted to speak on. Um, so I, I felt very excited right from the outset. What I didn't factor in was that I, I haven't been well for, for a little while, and um, in particular, I wasn't at all well yesterday, having eaten something a bit dodgy on Friday night, which wasn't in the plan, I have to say. So um, I had friends yesterday saying, are you sure you're all right to do it? You know, no, nobody will mind if you, if, you, if you pull out. And I thought, well, no, because I want to deliver this message. So I'm a bit of a, you know, treasure in, in clay jars. I'm a bit of a cracked clay pot this morning, but um, I really do trust that God's going to speak. Oh, fantastic. Do you know, that, that thrills my heart more than anything. When the PowerPoint works, that is just a joy. Okay, so our subject is peace. Believe it, receive it, share it. Just leave that bit on the screen for a minute, please. Um, years ago, I had a little book. Um, I forget what it was called, but it was like full of funny stories, true funny stories, Um, ancient little paperback, probably had one and six on the cover or something, but um, it wouldn't have done because I'm just about to correct that because this story took place in about 1976, so that debunks that one. Um, But the story in this little book, which I'm going to retell in in an inaccurate way, but nobody's going to sue me for, for for the lack of detail, but... The story goes that um, in about 1976, the key world leaders were um, were interviewed by a journalist as the year drew to an end. So you've got people like James Callaghan and Gerald Ford and Brezhnev, you know, those key names from history now. But they were asked, what did they most want at this time? And so the article was published, but it was clear when it came out that there'd been a bit of a misunderstanding in the question. Because while these great world leaders were saying, oh yeah, we want world peace, and we want an end to the arms struggle, and we want this, that, and the other, James Callaghan had said that what he wanted most at Christmas was a new jumper and some socks. (laughs) And that apparently is true. And, And I love that that moment of misunderstanding with colossal implications. We're going to talk about the believe it bit. What do we need to know about peace? Sometimes peace actually warm jumper and some nice socks. I bought some new socks on Friday. They gave me a great deal of peace. So what do we think of as peace? Is it those moments when we're with the people that we love? Those times when we're on holiday? Is it when the kids tidy their bedrooms before you have to ask them. No, 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 that's... Sorry, we're not talking about miracles, are we? No, we're talking about peace. Um, Is it peace when there isn't a queue at the checkout? When the thing is in stock? It could be all of those things. It could be. We often think of the Old Testament as being times of battle and lots of things going on, lots of conflict, lots of difficulty. And there's a verse in um, 1 Kings 5, 4... In the story of King David, it's only a simple verse, but it says, But now the Lord my God has given me peace on every side. I have no enemies, and all is well. 
Now, for all we know, that might have lasted 30 seconds. It doesn't actually say. But you know, when we get those moments where all the ducks are lined up in a row and it's like, finally, it's all working. Life is working. And it feels like peace. But actually, that isn't what life looks like most of the time. And I I had this list of, of generic things of what destroys our peace. But actually, I could just tell you what has spoiled my, my peace this week. Um, I was waiting for a really important phone call on Wednesday, really important. And I missed it, first of all, because somebody popped around and I could hear the phone going and I couldn't get to it. And then later, the phone call came again and I gave the wrong answer. That really messed with my peace, I can tell you. Um, not feeling very well has messed with my peace. All sorts of things have messed with my peace. But I want to look at what the Bible promises us. Can we just look at the next, I think it's four screens. These are just some verses. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You know, will. Well, we all know that, don't we? We will have trouble. But take heart, overcome the world. Next one, please. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Extra bargain bonus there. Joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then just one more. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's just keep that one up there for a minute. So are we clear? Peace comes from God. It sounds really good. It sounds like it could be ours. It sounds possible. But how do we get from the theory to actually making a difference? You know, when you do the wrong thing, when something happens, when your world is disturbed. How do we get it? We need to receive it. Okay, that, that's so obvious, isn't it? Believing is one thing, but appropriating it and receiving it is something else. Can we just have the next slide, please? This, to me, is absolutely key. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And there are different translations of that, but it's all about keeping your focus on God. 2 Kings 6, um, probably tell I love the Old Testament, but there's a story about Elisha, and you probably know this story quite, quite well. They were under siege by the Syrians. Um, the 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 enemy armies were closing in and things were looking really, really dodgy. And Elisha was there with I think, some, some soldier person, armor bearer, some young lad. They were terrified, but Elisha wasn't. He was at peace. And he wasn't at peace because the scriptures had done the thing. He was at peace because of a really key difference in his experience. And that's because the young lad who was with him was looking at all these armies. You know, you could imagine them with their torches. It's threatening. They're just there a few steps further and they'd be overtaken. That is enough to make everybody feel totally scared. But what Elisha saw and what he enabled the lad to see by saying, look, look again around those armies with the chariots of God. 
the angel armies, chariots of fire, it says. So you've got these weedy little soldiers with their swords in one hand and their torches in the other going, ha, <laughs> but the angels are like, can you imagine? Now, what are you going to focus on? What's the thing that's going to make the difference? Honestly, I've got some situations I'm facing at the moment that look a lot like the sword and the torture. <laughs> but I know that behind that are the angel armies ready, not only to protect me, but to, to fight for me, to give me the victory, to give me peace, because I'm looking at the right thing. Now, the thing is, so often we say, look, I can't help but worry. If you were going through what I did, you, you, you wouldn't be able to help it. You know, somebody said to me recently, well, you're scared because this is a scary thing. That actually really helped. Funny enough, that gave me peace. Why? Because it made me feel like I was normal. That's, that's a lovely feeling. But actually, there is more to it than that. Always, there's more to it than that. Because we've got our thoughts. I think most of the time when we're not at peace, it's because of our thinking. You know, it's one thing to know the scriptures, but it's an entirely different thing to be so focused on them that we squash out the other stuff that would distract us. So if you're saying to yourself, oh, I can't, I can't help it, I can't help but worry, I just want to say, and we'll unpack this as we go along, yes, you can. The whole point about today's sermon and why I was passionate about giving it is because I want you all to have peace. Not to just have the scripture in your pocket, but to know it and for it to make a difference and kind of like, oh, it works. You know, if somebody said to me, and I really wish they would right now, because seriously, um, look, you could lose half a stone in two days. I absolutely guarantee it. I'd be like, tell me, please. <laughs> please, tell me. But I would, because if somebody had the secret to something I was really wanting, honestly... I would really be like, come on. So peace is possible. Peace is what God offers us. But we don't experience peace. I mean, all the Brexit stuff. Some people are really worried about that. You know, my, my response to that, I'm sorry, I, I just don't watch the news. You know, people say to me, oh, have you heard about so-and-so? It's like, no, no, because I don't watch the news. That, because it was troubling to me. Not from a... Well, any other reason than actually I didn't understand it. So I just, you know, sometimes to, to not focus on the wrong things is a really good thing. You see, that, that story of Peter on the stormy seas, and we're going to be talking about a stormy sea again in a second. That bit where Jesus comes walking on this stormy sea and says, come on, Peter, come and join me. And he's like, oh, that sounds exciting. And he got out of the boat now, what made him sink? You might have all sorts of ideas. A lot of them would be right. But I, I don't think it was lack of faith. I don't think it was like a sudden, oh, it seemed such a good idea, but now actually I've changed my mind. It says he looked at the waves and he looked at the storm. You know, there was Jesus coming towards him and Jesus says, come here. And he goes, yeah, I can do that. I can come. But the moment... He started coming, all of a sudden Jesus was like blurring in all the mist and the storm and everything, and he couldn't see him quite so clearly, but what he could see was everything that he'd stepped into. 
You know, and we can look at people like Peter and go, no, where was his faith? Well, no, it's where was his eyes? Actually, what are you looking at? You know, what's your viewpoint? I mean, honestly, what would his friends have said? Well, of course you're scared, Peter. You're standing in bare feet on the open seas. Of course you're scared. That isn't the bit that's the surprise. Being in the storm is scary. It does shake your faith. But are you looking at Jesus who says, come to me? Or are you looking at the storm that says, I'm going to get you? It honestly, honestly is that simple. Doing it is perhaps harder, but the principle is simple, isn't it? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's simple. We've got a choice. I want to tell you a little story about um, my insomnia. Um, It's not very exciting in itself. Insomnia, I mean. Um, For those that don't sleep very well, it makes your days feel very long. (laughs) You know, those 24 hours sort of feel like 29 most days. Um, I haven't slept very well for a very long time. Things are better now as a result of this testimony I'm going to show you. But... um, Earlier in the summer, it was getting very bad. So I was getting about two hours sleep at night. Um, I don't know how I was functioning, actually. I would say I was a a high-functioning insomniac. I could get an amazing amount done, but actually I was running on fumes. I, I really don't know how I wasn't psychotic, the little sleep I was getting. And I was away in June at one of my writers' weekends, And it was really, really bad that weekend, um, to the extent where I missed a lot of the activities, because actually I just had to go and nap whenever I could. Um, And there were some friends there that really were taking it seriously, and that surprised me. I was so used to sleeping badly that actually, you know, to have people going, are you okay, Jane? And I'm like, yeah. And and I thought, oh, should I be worried then, being a bit thick? But they really were concerned that it wasn't good. Um, so I did go to the GP, and the GP was fairly useless. I mean, kind, but ultimately useless, because they don't know what to do, do they? They don't want to give you medication, because that doesn't actually solve the problem. So I was kind of praying about stuff, trying to, trying to get my head clear, um, but still sleeping very, very badly. And then Mark and I went on holiday um, to Guernsey at the end of July. And it turned out that the hotel we'd chosen was run by Christians. We had no idea, but they had quite an extensive library And I like to read when I'm away. So I picked this book up at random, actually. I felt it was at random. It was just like, okay, I'll have a go at this one. And it was called, um, oh, what was it called? Oh, no, I've forgotten it. Anyway, Max Lucado, Anxious for Nothing, that's it. Anxious for Nothing. And I don't know why I picked it up. Honestly, I don't. It was a very easy read. I'd only read one of his little children's stories, which actually was very good. But um, I was reading this very easy-to-read book, all the time thinking, why am I reading a book on holiday about anxiety? Because if you'd asked me, are you a worrier? I'd have gone, no. I can, like I've got the capability. Um, But I'm not a worrier. I'm I'm a truster in God. And I'm a truster that most things have a solution. So, you know, if you find one eventually, then that's good enough. Most things work out okay. And I do trust God implicitly. But I was reading this book about anxiety and thinking, 
I've got anxiety. I had absolutely no idea. So the, the, the conclusion I had reached um, through a process that I won't bore you with before I'd been on holiday was that I had identified where the insomnia lived and that was in my stomach. So if I woke up in the night, the feeling I got in my body was a knot in my stomach. Well, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work out that that sounds like anxiety, but I just hadn't joined the dots. But what Max Lucado said in this book was honestly life-changing for me. And he was saying, you know, you get verses, I think it's 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your anxiety on the Lord because he cares for you. I learned it as cast your care on the Lord because he cares for you because that helped me remember it when I was about 14. You see, this is the point. I knew that verse from when I first became a Christian, but I hadn't applied it. I'm a little bit older than 14. And what he was saying was that that verse is an invitation. I hadn't got that. I'd read it, you know, it was, a, it was a point of theory to me. I read the scripture and my head was supposed to understand it. But he was saying it's an invitation. Jesus is standing in front of you saying, give me your care. When it says cast your care on the Lord, it's not like this sort of airy fairy. It's your Lord is standing in front of you saying... Would you give that heavy thing that you're carrying to me? It's as simple as, you know, me coming in with a bag. I would expect one of you, because you're kind people, to go, oh, Jane, that looks too heavy. Let me take your bag. It's as simple as that. Jesus is saying, give it to me. And what the book was saying was every time you get an anxious thought, every time you get an anxious thought, give it to him. Honestly, my first thought was, that's going to take ages. <laughs> that's going to take, just like all, all I'm going to be doing is giving in my anxious thought. That's going to be taking ages. And it did at first. So when I woke up in the night and I had an anxious thought, first of all, I recognized that I'd woken up because I must have had an anxious thought. That was the first thing. There'd been no sound, nothing to wake me, disturb me. It must have been something internal. Something's woken me up. I've dreamt something. I've thought of something. Something's played on my mind. I'm awake. So the first thing I would do is, okay, God, I don't know why I've woken up again, but I give this anxious thought to you. And sometimes, if I knew what the anxious thought was, sometimes you have a dream about somebody, don't you? And you go, oh, I've been thinking about so-and-so. So I would give that situation, that person to him giving it over to him every time I felt it. It was like a game of tennis. I, you know, it was bat I battered it back. Came again, battered it back, battered it back. But what I found was very, very quickly I was falling asleep again. And the pattern of my insomnia was always that once I was awake, that was it. I couldn't get back off to sleep, just couldn't do it. It was like I'd lost the ability. So if I eventually got off to sleep, that was great. But as soon as I was awake, it's like, nope, I'm done. Hence the two, three nights, hours a night, because I couldn't get back off to sleep. So I found, I was thinking, oh, that's working, that's working. And I found I was doing it in the daytime. I'd be walking along some situation, that, you know, something can just flash past, either physically or something goes through your head. I feel that knot in my stomach again. <gasps> I've been anxious, right, I give it to you, I give it to you. I give it to you. And I have to say, I am sleeping a lot better. I would still say, you know, I'm, I'm going to have trouble with my sleep. Um, but I would not say that I'm an insomniac anymore because I, I got it. Jesus was inviting me to give him my anxious thoughts.
And I think if we're looking at peace, I mean, don't look at me as an example of peaceful living. Um, You may not see it too much, but the one I model myself on is Jesus. And there is this brilliant, brilliant story. Can we have the next two slides, please? Very well-known story. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind... Oh, oh no, sorry, I was expecting another word. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Next one, please. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? Now, the background to that story you're probably really familiar with. The Sea of Galilee um, was their local attraction, if you like. Um, It was known for its sudden squalls, sudden storms. You know, it was one of those places that was a bit unpredictable. But it was very well known to the people that lived around there. So they knew how to be careful with the Sea of Galilee. They didn't have to be fearful of it particularly. I mean, you didn't go out in a storm, that was obvious. But these were trained fishermen. They knew how to deal with stormy weather, even unexpected stormy weather. But this day turned out a bit different. There's a couple of details I love in the story. First of all, it says, um, Mark is the only one who includes this detail in the Gospels. There were also other boats with him. I don't know whether you spotted that on the first slide. There were other boats there. You tend to think of this one boat on its own on the stormy seas having its troubles. Actually, there were lots of other little boats. Sometimes we're in a storm and it feels like we're the only ones in the storm. We're the only ones going through it. You know, I'm so conscious of you all sitting here. I have absolutely no idea what's going on under the surface for you. But I suspect that if you're going through a storm, you probably think you're the only one going through a storm. Everybody is doing that. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's just peachy and it isn't always and I don't know why we do it here of all places this is the one place where we can go do you know what life sucks at the moment and it should be the one place on the planet where we can say that and be absolutely loved and accepted for that and if it's not we need to look at our responses to the person who's saying that We really do. How do we respond when we're going through difficulties? Because if we can't say we are, then what are we doing here? What have we got that's any different? I just challenge each of us with that. Now, Jesus clearly trusted his disciples. 
Jesus wasn't a fisherman. I mean, he was the son of God. I would guess that's the trump card in most situations. But he wasn't a fisherman. He wasn't used to sailing. So he was putting his trust in the people that were going to take him across the lake. And there's a little detail that says they took him just as he was. I think that's funny. Just as he was. What does that even mean? I mean, he was tired. You know, he'd have been ministering. So they took him tired. Um without his big coat. I mean, I, I really don't know what it means to say that he went just as he was. But Jesus was just being Jesus with the disciples. But Jesus, just being Jesus, thought, well, I don't have to do anything here. I don't have to do any of the sailing type stuff. You can tell I'm not a sailor because I've no idea what sailors do. I'm just waving my arms. That's how boats work, isn't it? You just wave your arms and it goes. But Jesus fell asleep. He was tired. He was just as he was. He was tired. And the just as he was for them was that they were experienced. If they went just as they were, they were experienced. They were ready. And I don't want to be disrespectful here, but Jesus was with them. He was their lucky mascot. Everything would be all right. You see, some people, even Christians, have this idea that if you've got a prayer in your pocket or one of those little wooden crosses, I've got one of those lovely little wooden crosses carved out of olive wood from the Holy Land. We've got to be careful that Jesus isn't just reduced to a lucky charm in our pocket. Oh, we'll be okay because I'm wearing my St. Christopher. We can be just as superstitious over that. We'll be okay. I've I've said the Lord's Prayer this morning. I've read my scriptures. I think faith is a lot more (laughs) rubber hits the road than that, don't you? Because the storm came. And when the storm came, the disciples got really scared because something about this storm must have been different to ones they'd had before. Maybe they were all tired. Maybe they were just a bit, oh, can't handle it today. Sometimes what's a storm for one person isn't a storm for another. It it can just hit you wrong. You know, my my storm on Wednesday of missing those important phone calls and and then it all kind of went wrong and I was left feeling really stupid. On a different day, that wouldn't have bothered me at all. But on Wednesday, it felt like a storm because it had just hit me wrong. But why was Jesus asleep? Because there was nothing to fear. It's as simple as that. There's nothing to fear. And he proved it. Because when he finally did wake up and they're going, Oh, don't you care? We're going to drown. And he's like, drown? What are you talking about? And he just did the equivalent of, of flipping the switch. Simple. You know, and I think it's a bit harsh. You know, where's your faith? You know, we don't know what tone of voice Jesus used, did we? But he was saying, look, you don't get it, do you? I'm, I'm not your lucky mascot. I'm not the, not the guy that does these miracle things, but it's all out there. I'm, I'm the guy who's in the storm with you and the one that knows how to switch the storm off. You're okay during the storm. Nobody died. It got a bit rocky. Nobody died. Why? Because I was here. And because I'm here, I can do something about it as well. And, oh, just watch... Here it goes. And he does it. 
And sometimes the storm feels like it's going on and on and on. And you're thinking, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? And he's going, you're not going to drown because I'm here. And this is the real nub of it for me. Because in all of these scripture readings you've got about peace, the thing that comes through loud and clear for me is that he is our peace. He is our peace. Not he's the giver of peace, he's the bringer of peace. He has peaceful capabilities. He is our peace. And it's his presence with us that guarantees our peace. I really hope I'm saying this clearly enough because to me that is the answer. You know, we spend so long praying about difficult situations, the stuff we're stuck on, the stuff we're genuinely worried about, the stuff we can't control, the stuff that is hitting us from all angles, and we're going, God, God, uh," and our eyes are on all the stuff. And he's like, look to me. Just, Just look up. And then we say, oh, you are my peace. You are my peace. You know, the disciples didn't know it because they were still learning. And we don't know it all and we're still learning. But the whole point about that encounter on the stormy sea was that Jesus was with them. That's why there was no need to be afraid. Because he was peace and he was there and that was all they needed. Okay, let's have the next one, please. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That peace that passes understanding... You know, John Lewis have got as their little strap line, never knowingly undersold. When I was a little girl, I used to walk past our local branch of the John Lewis, and I thought it said, um, never knowingly understood. That's how I read it every time. Never knowingly understood. And I used to think, that's a stupid thing for a shop to say. And sometimes it passes my understanding as well. Peace that passes understanding, that transcends understanding. This is the whole point. When we are in a difficult situation, we are right to be concerned about that. I think that is human nature. I mean, if if your child is playing on the train track and you're just like, oh, la, 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 there's something wrong with you. You know, we should be able to see danger and respond. We should be able to see and know that we've got to do something. We, those are natural things. We've got reasoning. We should be able to look at certain other situations and go, do you know what? There's some logic to be applied here. I've got to just work this out. But when it comes to peace, that's a different category because we can't work it out. So any of you that have had difficulty, you know those times in hospital or facing illness, or, you know, whatever, those times when, of all the times in the world you shouldn't be peaceful, but you are, 
you've got the peace that passes understanding, the peace that makes no sense. And because he is our peace, that's where it kind of does make sense. Because if he's with us, then of course we're going to feel peaceful. But it still passes understanding because it's beyond our understanding. It's outside the laws of logic. Why am I feeling so peaceful when I've got the army around me? Oh yeah, it's because there's a bigger army around that one. Does that make sense? The third little bit of my um, thing, strap line, believe it, receive it, share it. All I just want to say about the sharing thing is that if, if we are people that receive the peace of God, and I really trust that like from now on we're going to, because we can, then let's be people that are known for being peaceable people. You know, when you think of the difficulties with religion in the world, most non-believing people would say that religion is a cause of war and of conflict. I mean, even in our own families, it, it causes some difficulties, doesn't it, among the members that don't believe. But that verse in Romans, I think it's Romans 12, that says, so far as it depends on you live at peace with all people. Now, that's really important so far as it depends on you. Don't be the one who picks the fight. Don't be the one that receives peace and then doesn't share it. Sharing the peace, by the way, is not that awfully turgid part of the service. And now, let us share the peace and you just have those cringing handshakes and little kisses on the cheek. That isn't what sharing the peace is. I think that, you know, when Jesus says, by your love, they'll know that you're my disciples. I think if, if we had peace, I think they'd see it as well. When people go, oh, I, I heard you've had some difficulty, but, but, but how come you look the way you do? Then that's a testimony, isn't it? Of he is our peace. Let's just pray for a minute, shall we? Father, I pray that the reality of this message is one that we can grab with both hands this morning because we all need peace. These are troubled times and our minds go into overdrive, imagining every little different scenario panicking us but Jesus I want to thank you for that image of you asleep in the storm not because you don't care but because you have it all under control and I want to pray Jesus really specifically for all of those here today that don't sleep well, that find that their minds were at night and their hearts are troubled and their stomachs are in a knot. And I pray that peace comes into those lives in particular today. I pray that sleep falls on them tonight. I pray for everyone who's facing uncertainty with their jobs. Jesus, I pray for peace to come, for peace to bubble up. 
for those that are worried about the next mortgage payment or the rent or the food or Christmas is coming. Jesus, I pray that you would wake up in the boat in those situations and flip the switch and says, peace, be still. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence with us. That is all we need. Amen.